Hey everybody, we are live at Arrowhead Stadium where we're all working very diligently. Uh, sitting here behind this table in the middle of the week, the Chiefs play the Seahawks in Seattle. Guys, if you laugh, then people are not going to believe what I'm saying. Uh, Chiefs play Seattle on Sunday in a game that at one point we thought would have no real significance. Turns out it does. Uh, it can be one of the deciding factors between the Chiefs getting a one seed and a five seed. Uh, Blair Kirkhoff is all the way down here on this end of the table. Lynn Worthy is beside me, and Sam Melinger is to the left of me. And I bring up Blair first because Blair is working on a story today. I looked at your notepad earlier. You looked like Rain Man with all these numbers and everything mm. figured out. Um, what the difference between a one and a five seed is, what it could mean for the Chiefs. So can you break it down not in just pure numbers? Stuff? Well, it's four seeds. That's the biggest difference. Thank you for that. Wow. We have really... Guys, that's it. That's all we've got today. Mind blown. <laughs> um, yes. If the one and the five seed uh, are, seem like the, the only real options, right, for the Chiefs and the Chargers because they play in the same division and one's going to be a division winner, one's a division winner with the best record, one's going to be a wild card team with the best record, division winner with the best record is the one seed, wild card team with the best record is the five seed, and you can make a case that the Patriots' path to dynasty was created by being a one or a two seed in the last 20 years because all eight of their Super Bowl appearances under Brady and Belichick, they came from the one or the two seed, and what that means is they never had to you know, play more than two playoff games uh, if you're the one or the two seed. You only play two playoff games to get to the Super Bowl. And if you're the one seed, you don't leave home to get to the Super Bowl. If you're a five seed, you start on the road with an extra week, the wild card week. And the only way you could be at home for a playoff game is if you host the sixth seed in the conference championship game. And that's never happened in the history of the seeding, which is almost 30 years. So, the odds of getting to the Super Bowl from a five seed are are enormous. From a one seed, not so much. Uh, you, you get there. You get there more often than not. Seven times in the last ten years, the one seed in the AFC playoffs has reached the Super Bowl. So that's what's at stake. I mean, playing two playoff games at home versus playing at least two and probably three on the road to get to the Super Bowl. Well, Blair, what has to happen for the Chiefs to get the one seed versus how would they get well, the five? Well, to get a, if it starts Saturday night with the Chargers Ravens game, the Ravens go to uh, go to, to Los Angeles, and we know the, the the previous two Chiefs opponents. So we've seen both of those teams here recently, and um, and they both played the Chiefs great. Um, overtime for the Ravens game, and of course the loss last week to the Chargers. So I think I think it should be a decent game, right? Yeah. I mean, it should be pretty good. Something that's interesting about that game is Lamar Jackson has started five games for the you know for the Ravens at quarterback. He has seen the bottom five defenses in terms of uh, I think it's scoring defenses. That'll help your stats in the uh, in, you know in in the NFL the, in his five starts. Chargers ain't that. The right. Chargers have a much better defense. This is the best defense that Lamar Jackson's going to see Saturday night. But you still, you know, you still think that Baltimore has a chance in that game. And if if Baltimore wins, the path to the to a first round by a one or a two seed, and specifically the one seed, gets much easier for the Chiefs. They can lose at Seattle yeah. if that happens. If they if both teams finish with the same record. Two and zero, zero and one and one, or zero and two, depending on what the Texans do. If they're zero and two, 
the Chiefs still have the tiebreaker advantage over the would have the tiebreaker advantage over the Chargers. What the Chiefs can't do is finish behind the Chargers in the standing. That's what you know. If they finish tied with the Chargers, they're going to be the one. And if people are curious, the, the, the tiebreaker potential tiebreaker on one two, like between the 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 Chiefs or Chargers and the Texans is conference record. Is that right? Yeah, conference record is for those three. Okay, and and the the Texans right now are eight and three in the conference. Chiefs are nine and two. Chargers are eight and two. So if the Texans went out and they stay at three conference losses, Chiefs beat the Seahawks but lose to the Raiders, then they have the same number of conference losses. So then it goes to a strength of schedule component. Yeah. And the Chiefs are projected to be better on that okay. in that component than the Texans. Mm -hmm. So that's why, but you still have to allow for the possibility, because there, Pete, Pete Gradoff, our, our colleague at the Star, came up with 25 different scenarios for seeding, for the not for seeding, but you know outcomes for the Chiefs. They could technically still be a two seed, a five seed, and I want to say a three. They could still technically be a three. So seed. not anything but a four. Anything, I think that's right, and it's almost impossible for them to be a six seed as well. But anyway, it's if they're going to be a one or a five. Mm -hmm. And the Chargers are going to be whatever the Chiefs aren't. I mean, uh, it involves ties and all this other thing. Uh, but so one or a five are, are the most likely scenarios for the Chiefs, and there's a big, big difference between being a one and a five in the NFL playoffs. I'm no kidding. Well, the first step in that, of course, is for the Chiefs, other than the, the Chargers-Ravens game. The first step involving the Chiefs comes Sunday night in Seattle, Sunday night football. Um, the weather should be seattle -y, cold, rainy. Um, December Seattle. Everything you want in a football game. Um, and we already have a question about Eric Berry, and we'll jump right into that because I'm looking at a still frame of Eric Berry on my computer because we talked to him this afternoon for about one minute and 57 seconds on the dot. Um, <laughs> the, the, only the third time this season we've talked to him, including training camp. Um, and he said that he feels pretty good, feels like he's bouncing back okay from having played against the Chargers. But the interesting thing is that he wasn't didn't really tip his cap to, to let us know what his snap count, pitch count, whatever would be on Sunday, whether or not he's going to be a full go, limited, play a half, whatever. He only played a half against the Chargers. Um, Sam, you want to weigh in on, on what you think the Chiefs will do with Eric Berry? I think he's going to play. I think he's going to play the majority of snaps. Um, you know, you never want to say like 100%, right? But I, I think Every he'll, single one. I think he'll be in 80 90%. I think he's going to play a lot. So you think that they're just being, he's just being coy with the like, oh, well, I mean, we're going to figure that out. No, I mean, I think he, like, legitimately doesn't know. I mean, you know, like, I, they could get into the game and feel like he's going to play 90% or mm -hmm. whatever. And then if they get into it and he's not feeling it, and I'm not going to make a spirit joke, but if he's just not, you know, like, if there's something going on in the game that, that doesn't sit right with him, then he won't. You know, I mean, it's a mm -hmm. very, like, we can make, like, literally day-to-day -day jokes. He's literally, literally minute-to-minute. Play-by-play jokes or whatever, but um, it, it's it's obviously a very fluid situation. If, if, you know, if they thought that he would have been, we've talked about this before, but they thought he would have been out anywhere close to this long, IR. You know, so like, they, they haven't been right, <laughs> you know, um, all season. So I, I, I totally get why they're trying to be vague with him. Mm-hmm. Well, and then he's not the only DB that there's some vagueness around. Kendall Fuller, we've heard both days this week that he wasn't going to practice, and then in the opening minutes that we were able to watch practice, he was out there stretching with his helmet on, which is more than Eric Berry really ever did when, when he wasn't practicing. Um, he, Kendall Fuller, had hand surgery. Um, it was reported his wrist. 
maybe a thumb, and then Andy Reid said surgery on his hand last week, last Friday. Um, he had a protective cast on it, says right one during practice. Um, but if, if he can't go, Lynn, what's kind of the contingency plan that the Chiefs have for Kendall Fuller, if he can only play a little bit, if he can't play at all? How do you think they're going to handle that? Well, I mean, they haven't really said specifically, but I mean, Tremont Smith seems to be the guy who would be the next nickel type person. Um, you could go Traverius Ward. Um, and I'm not sure how much they would move one of the other guys around, whether that's a, um, you know, a Ron Parker. I don't know if they do that or not. I think they've done it in the past, right? That's a spot that he's played. Uh, so there's that, and then there's um, trying to think what was the. Uh, I think what did Andy say? Andy, Andy just sort of said, "Yeah, we'd be all right. We've got some guys there," but never really gave a specific name. And I didn't hear if Bob said anything today uh, in um, his availability whether or not he said anything specific on what they would do in that situation. No, no, he wasn't. Blair was our tribute that uh, <laughs> sat through Bob Sutton. Sam, were you in there too, or did you? Yes. Oh wow, Sam we had two grilling, grilling Bob Sutton. <laughs> Feet to the fire. What'd yeah. you ask him? Uh, or do you want to save it and let it be a surprise on Sunday? <laughs> no, I mean, I basically <laughs> asked, um, now I'm, I'm kind of blanking on which questions I asked and other people, but there are a lot of Eric Berry questions about, um, I asked, you know, physically, did you think he was the same? You know, he talked about he was surprised at, I don't know if he used the word surprise, but that, that Eric's reactions were as quick as they were, that sometimes that takes some time. Um, so I asked, you know, like, okay, reactions, but physically, is he as fast, as strong, as, you know, um, you know, is 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 agile or whatever, and he basically said yes. It's you know pre-injury. That's that's the way I took his answer. Yeah. And then also, but he said it in a lot more words. He right? did. <laughs> uh, and then uh, and then I asked basically, you know, like what the hell happened on those last two drives? Question. And uh, he talked a lot about penalties. Hmm. There were a bunch. Um, Chiefs are the most penalized team in the NFL, by yeah. the way. Have been that way for quite a while. Yeah, I I, I enjoyed this too. Um, and, and, and in that answer, he he circled back to I think it was the second quarter the the phantom call on uh, Dan Sorensen mm-hmm. uh, against Gates on the third and ten, and he he circled back to that and you know like oh this penalty you know you don't think about it at the time that's a four point penalty we kick the field goal they end up getting the touchdown and he didn't say like the play specifically and just kind of after it was over I was like that was a Sorensen play right and that's what we're talking about just to be clear and he basically he was like. I can't answer that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, nope. That yeah, that was great. I did enjoy that. I like talking with Bob. I'm, I'm assuming he didn't um, go into the two-point play specifics. I mean, because I think they've avoided that all week. Or, or did he? He did. Yet? No, he did. He was asked specifically about it. Yeah, he, but, he avoided it as well. Basically, he just said miscommunication, right? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, he, he wouldn't say or didn't say specifically a name, but it sure is. Heck, I mean, what, it sure looked like it was Scandrick's guy. I mean, I feel like Well, that's... I'm trying to think now. Because Phil Rivers, and I did this with the film breakdown, mentioned that that play was the same play they ran for the touchdown in yeah. the second quarter. And in the second quarter, it was... The way they lined up, it was basically... They sort of defended it the opposite of the way you would think because... They, I think they... It's pretty much had to do with scouting the play. Like, they knew the guy who was furthest outside was actually coming in. So they... The defender on the inside stayed with that. And on the touchdown, it was Fuller. And then the guy who stayed with the the out against Williams was Nelson, who was giving up like six inches in height, and he just went up and got it. I'm trying to remember how that. they lined up for the two-point conversion. Um, I can't remember if Fuller was on the inside. 
I think he probably uh, was. Fuller was on the inside. Yeah, so, was on the outside. Yeah, so, I mean, and if it's the same play, and assuming it's the same defense, you want to do it the same way, then Fuller should stay with the guy who breaks inside, even though he's mm-hmm. not lined up mm-hmm. for this inside. And then Skandrick takes, you know, Williams. At least that would make yeah, sense. <laughs> By the way, my favorite part today, uh, talking with Eric Berry, I asked him, because he was really animated on the sideline during the two-point conversion, and I said, what did you see there? And he just looks at me and goes, they scored. And then laughed, and the interview was over shortly after that. Um, so he it's a, also... It, it's a conversation killer here. The, it, it uh, is. Two-point conversion is... Uh, nobody wants to Well, stop the two-point conversion, and we won't have to go there. <laughs> yeah. Play defense, and we won't have to hey, go and there. All, and all credit to the Chargers for running the two-point conversion there. Hey. Not, yeah. not kicking the extra point. They yeah. never the, You know... I don't know what the reaction for the Chargers would have been if they had kicked the extra, or if it had been failed, a failed two-point conversion there. Would Chargers fans, assuming there are, the San Diego Chargers fans. Do you all exist? I, I understand that the, most of the Chargers fans are still in San Diego, not in L.A., but anyway, would they have been up in arse about <laughs> that? I wonder if they'd have been pretty ticked off about you know, a failed two-point conversion I wonder about there. that, too. I, you know, there's a big judge and a decision by the, the, the result of the process, right? Mm-hmm. I thought it was like a no-brainer to go for it in that situation. I just didn't think you wanted to Kipper came on the field. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And, and, and it looked like Rivers was happy to go off the field. Yeah. Like that was just normal All right, bye. stuff. I just, you, I, I just feel like you got to go. you got to go for it. I don't Two think yards. you want to go into overtime. Two yards to change everything. Yeah, with, with that quarter. I mean, like the way that team's built, the advantage that, that, that you have against the Chiefs is when your offense is on the field and their defense is on the field. And this is a chance... Like you said, two yards yeah. with your offense against their defense. It's not a hundred percent, but and you lose the coin. You, you lose the coin flip in overtime, mm-hmm. and Chiefs, or, you know, Chiefs get it. They yep. chance they're going to score yeah, touchdown. And totally. And I think Anthony Lynn is gone for a couple. If I remember hearing in the so the aftermath, and he's done some aggressive things like that when it's come down to the stretch, and whether it's go for one, go for two, he's gone for two a few times. It sounds like. Yeah. Well, we people are giving us great questions today. Keep it up uh, because. Like the rest of you, I think we're all hitting that afternoon like slump. Or maybe just me. I'm the one moderating, so keep giving me things to talk about. Um, Nathan asks, why was there not a defensive timeout then for the Chiefs during the two-point conversion? Did they have any timeouts left in that moment? You want to fast forward to uh, Game Pass in that moment? Well, the Chargers took – obviously there was a timeout taken. It had to be the Chargers, right, because they had enough time to have the kicker go on the field, come off the field, and run the play. I got the Chiefs have one timeout, yeah. It's a good question why there wasn't a timeout. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's bad. a timeout. For, uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just, I'm, it's still bad after you watch it 35 so times. It's, the question is, why bad. wasn't there a timeout for for what? Today? For the two-point conversion, I believe. Okay. So, so like, like you see how they're lined up, call yeah, timeout. Oh, right. well, that one? Or, well, yeah, okay, I was going to say, is that like a preemptive? Because like, I don't think preemptively you don't assume that you guys are going to blow the coverage. So I was going to say, that's, that's well, why there's no timeout. The timeout is not, like, you don't take the timeout because you're like, these guys are going to screw this up. <laughs> now, if you want to play the whole basketball thing where you're... <laughs> <laughs> to the basketball thing was like, okay, how they line up and, and then come back to the sideline. I guess that you can make a case for that. But again, I mean, it's, it was a play. It ended up being a play they saw before. Clearly, they scouted it because of the way they defended the first time. They still gave up a touchdown, but they knew what they were doing. Chiefs took a timeout after the touchdown. 
and before the extra That's point. That's what I'm watching yeah. here, yeah. The Chiefs took a timeout after the uh, – not, not, I'm sorry, not after the touchdown, the play before the touchdown, yeah. after the penalty, the end zone, the move yeah. the ball. Yeah, their second oh, timeout. From the 10 to the, to the 1. Yeah, and, and, and the Chargers scored a touchdown on that first play yeah. out of the timeout. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, th there's a case to be made to, you know, make sure you can cross your T's and all that stuff, but – I don't know. Is anybody convinced that well, but that would have been different? But we're saying at that point, though, that the timeout was already used then. No, no, no. no, 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 no the Chiefs had one left. Yeah, it was used before the touchdown. Yeah, so, so, so they could have used So they had one. another one after going yeah. into the playoff. Okay. Yeah. Here's another good question um, that Andrew asked that I think, Blair, you asked um, Andy about this earlier this week. Is this the type of team that will be galvanized by a loss like Thursday, or is it a team led by a 23-year-old quarterback that could fall apart down the stretch? I think that's... That's what Sunday's all about. Yeah. I think that's, what, I think that's, that's what we're going to That's exactly out. what the Sunday game is about. And um, I, I'm fascinated because they had, they, it was the third loss, obviously, but they didn't lose the first two like this. The first, they were close games, close losses. Chiefs had a chance, they had the possession at the end in, in L.A. I don't remember how, for whatever reason, I can't remember how the Patriots game ended with the, did the Chiefs have the ball and no, the, no that was a, was, the was last just, play was the field goal. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Last play and field they goal. Had the, they had a couple of completions to Gronk to right. extend the drive and to get in the field goal range. Correct. That was it. But this one, I mean, this this is <laughs> this is such a gut wrenching <laughs> loss to have a two touchdown lead with four minutes to go at yeah. home and lose it and then lose everything. I mean, lose AFC West uh, division, all that stuff that was there for him, and and so that's why I did. That's why I asked Andy about the nature of the loss. Does it, you know, how, how does your lot, you know, how does your locker room react to it and. And we'll find out Sunday. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm as curious as anything to find the answer to that question mm -hmm. about how they play on Sunday. Because right. they're better than the Seahawks. This Chiefs team is better than the Seahawks yes. team. Seahawks, ter terribly tough environment to win in up there. Night game, prime time, great atmosphere. Um, but it's not the Seahawks team of two, three, four years ago. Right. And this is the best Chiefs team Andy Reid has had. Yeah. It, it is a, I believe that it's a good room. I think you guys agree with that, um, you know. But I guess like we'll see here because it, it's got some pieces that, you know, make it vulnerable to, to some fracture, right? Like when when the offense is this good and the defense is this bad, it can be real easy to be like, "You guys doing over yeah. there?" You know how, about, I mean? how about even within the defense? Yeah, You've got right? some really good. You've got yeah. Chris Jones up yes. front yeah. killing yes. it and. Ford on the edge. You got some guys that are yeah. really playing well, yeah. and you get some other yeah. guys not so much. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I really, I don't know. Maybe I'm being naive or whatever. But I, I think it's a good room. I, I'd be surprised if they go up there and just have given up. You know, if, it's, if they, yeah. like, I, I'd be really surprised if if that loss broke them. You know, I'm broke not making a joke, but broke them spiritually. Yeah, right. Yeah, just, it's been tough to get a read on that locker room though, because hardly anybody has been in there this week. Yeah, it has been it's, soft. Yeah. It's been really tough. There were they they did kind of start up a mini basketball game today with Patrick and Chase Linton and Garrick Dieter, but that's probably a good sign, actually. Yeah, yeah that, that they're still playing dudes. around. Yeah. Um, but it has been weird. Like, there's we still haven't talked to three Pro Bowlers: uh, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, and D Ford. Mm -hmm. Kind of strange. Um, talked to Mitchell Schwartz today. He wasn't around yesterday because he didn't practice yesterday. He had injury, a right? knee injury that we knew nothing about uh, go before uh, Wednesday. And then when we asked him about it today, he was kind of vague about it. It was pretty interesting. Um, so I don't know how serious that injury is. Um, but yeah, it is. I think that we're going to learn a lot on Sunday that 
about this team that we haven't had to learn yet because right. they haven't I, been in this position. Exactly. Well, and as somebody said too, I think it was after the Chargers loss that it felt like the first real loss of the season because mm-hmm. the other two losses there were things to take from it. It was kind of upbeat. Um, they were shootouts. They were great games, and this was just a collapse. Started to see some of the you know Patrick Mahomes criticism too a little bit like. Um, is he beaten? You know, who is it? Yeah. You know, yeah. Can he can he win on prime can he win prime time games? Yeah. Did y'all miss the other prime time games that they won? <laughs> and you know what's also or, true? Or like beat? who have they beaten? They literally beat that team. That team. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's been, been a minute, but they did right. win they that game. They actually led that team for all but four seconds of two games <laughs> yeah. this year. Yeah. Yeah. The um I, I think the difference is um the Patriots game, they were down. Was it twenty one to three? Twenty four to nine at half. Twenty four to nine. 29. Yeah, twenty four to nine. And and so that that was that was a comeback in Foxborough against Hall to, of Fame to take know. the lead. Yeah, yeah, and it was like oh, a valiant effort. And 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 the Rams had some of that too. I mean, there were so many mistakes. Mm-hmm. The fumbles, the overcoming the second interception turns. was just brutal. Um, but yeah, there, there was a little bit of a man. We really gave a good effort, and this was like the opposite of a good effort. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those last two—that was just limp. Those last two drives. I mean, that was like there was just, <laughs> just easy pickets. Well, and I also figure, I mean, like with Seattle, you could have a game where they don't come out and just lay an egg and still lose. Like that to me, that's still on the table. Yeah, like, even play well, yeah, and still yeah. lose. I mean, because Seattle again, maybe not the Seattle of past. But, I mean, like, the Rams, they gave a game that took down to the wire. I think it was, like, a field goal game, if I remember right, with Seattle and the Rams. I mean, like, they've played some teams tough. And, I mean, they're inconsistent. I mean, last week they lose to the 49ers. You know, so, I mean, you don't know what you're going to get <laughs> coming out of the box. But they could play well and still lose. I don't think that's a... Well, <laughs> well, the, the Ravens game was a coin flip game. And they mm-hmm. just they happened to win that game. Hey, they you know? got the right side of the coin. Right. Um... Chargers game, coin flip game, coin flip game. Rams, Patriots, coin flip game. Steelers was at the end a coin flip game, and they, yeah. they 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 had enough of a lead to to withstand the Steelers comeback. So they a lot of those games against the better opponents have been these coin flip type games. I agree. I think the Seahawks uh, is that that type of game. Um, but but in between the two Chargers touchdown drives in the fourth quarter was the Chiefs offensive possession that was. Yes. You know, it's like I didn't think this team was incapable of not right. picking up a first down. Yeah, and and in that situation when you have to have it, yeah. You know, like we've been talking a lot about, you know, the defense before Thursday. You know, had a had made a habit of coming up with a play when it was needed. At least, yeah. A, you know, a represent not all the time, but a representative, you know, period of the time. And and that was just like. Not a touchdown. You don't need a touchdown. But no, just first one down. first down makes it yeah. really, really hard on the Chargers. Two right. ends the game. Right. And, and and they were three and out. With penalties. I mean, yes, that's, yes, that's the yes. thing to me is because I've heard at least a lot of people talking about the conservative play calling. And I'm wondering to myself, I'm like, I'm not sure how much I feel like it's the play calling because I think part of it was, okay, they forced them to use two timeouts, which – if they throw incomplete passes and you don't force them to use timeouts, then people are ripping, you know, the coaches, AD and the coaches staff for that. Like, how could you not at least make them use the timeouts? So they did that. The penalties, I mean, like, they had third and eight, and then you get a penalty. It makes it third and 13. So the, the yardage that you did gain, you gave right back because Demetrius Harris jumps off sides. Yeah. So I'm not sure how much of it I put on the play calling. It's just, I mean, Flat out, they didn't. They didn't make the plays that I guess yeah. we sort of maybe have taken for granted. That oh, third and thirteen, Pat's gonna pick that up. Right. He's gonna make make something happen. Yeah. 
But, you know, yeah. then, uh, who was it, uh, Ingram comes through with a, with a sack. And yeah. <laughs> I think there's a case to be made, though, too, about in that situation, because of just the, the specific makeup of this team, that the offense is this good and the defense is this bad, that your thinking needs to change. And it doesn't matter if you make the Chargers waste timeouts, or not waste, but use, use timeouts. Because if they get the ball back, they're still going against that same defense. Like, it's not, you know what I mean? Like, you need to put every single ounce of, you know, resource mm-hmm. into getting first downs. That's, that's your defense. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't know how much sense it makes for this group as a, as a collective to, you know, help the defense with just marginal things. Like, well, now they don't have as many timeouts, you know. Yeah, That'll well, help. But well, I mean, still, you can also, it seems like you can also make the case, like, well, if that defense is what you think it is and just needs all the help you can get, then running time off the clock is also helping that defense. Like, they need every last second of, the, you know, right, of help. I think the priority needs to be even more on just the yardage, and it doesn't matter. Like, making them use timeouts is not a moral victory for the offense. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like I, I just I almost, like, my standard for that, like, expectation for that defense is so low that if, if you give them the ball back, that's on you. You know what I mean? Because the offense is that good that, that, you can, that you can expect that. I want to know how many times – I haven't looked, at, looked this up. I meant to, and I just haven't gotten to it. How many times – the Chiefs had five sacks in that game, right? And Chris Jones had mm-hmm. two and a half, two and a half, two and a half of the five. How many times did the Chiefs have a sack on a series and the Chargers still picked up a first down mm. after the sack, you know? After the sack, Chiefs make it, you know, second and thirteen or whatever, second and sixteen, mm-hmm. and the Chargers still got a first down on that. That, you know, that would, I, I'm sure it just drove Bob Sutton nuts and defensive coaches nuts that they mm-hmm. they would they gave up big plays after after getting big plays. Yeah, I would. <clears throat> I feel like now's an important time for me to apologize to. John Sleazer, who's behind the camera, who I promised up and down, like, oh, this will be a short 30-minute Facebook Live. But uh, we've barely touched on what they're going to do against Seattle. Um, So let's do some of that, uh, because we've had lots of questions about it. Uh, The first one from Jack, what will the Chiefs do to stop the Seahawks run, and specifically Russell Wilson in this game? Anybody with oh, the fringe or yeah. call? Score, uh, score touchdowns. Call Bob Sutton here. Chiefs uh, are gonna score touchdowns to. I think that's the best. best the best way to defense do it, is their is offense. To, get ahead and yeah, stay ahead. Get ahead. That would be the best way to stop the running game. Otherwise, it's going to yeah. be uh, NFL's best rushing offense. Yeah, Chris Carson is on track to be the Seahawks' first thousand-yard rusher since Marshawn Lynch in, Marshawn Lynch in 2014. Mm. I, I think it's accurate to say that um, Eric Berry is might be their best run defender. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If he plays 80%, 90% of the snaps, he can make a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's it's a horrendous matchup, right? Just a horrendous matchup. That rush offense against this rush defense. But um, I don't know. I think Eric Berry can make something. That tackle he made near the, near goal, the goal line, line yep. before the Chargers scored. Yep. A play before the Chargers yep. scored. Yep. That was That's beautiful. like... Man, I haven't seen that all year. Yeah. We're, man, you can do that? <laughs> that, that can happen? Yeah. What is tackling one play? Safety can come up. That was a great play. I've never seen that before. I think, I think that's one of those things where people keep, um, whether it's Twitter or else, talk about the the Barry Lucas safeties. That they keep, like, we want to see that. We want to see that. I feel like the one thing that you know you would get out of that is guys who would come up and support the run and you know help that middle of that defense where teams have been able to you know gain yards just going right at them. Um, 
I don't think we're going to see it. <laughs> but I think that's one of the things that you could take from that group if you ever got to bury Lucas. Um, you know, uh, I think Lucas probably... plays on defense. I haven't seen him out there in so long. I forgot. Oh, the folks on Twitter have not. Uh, forgot. No, they have not. Um, Michael has asked the folks on Twitter. <laughs> the Twitter coaches. Uh, Michael's asked a couple good questions. Um, he asked if the game philosophy for this is similar to Baltimore, and if anyone is going to spy on Wilson. You know, Andy got asked earlier this week if Tremont Smith was going to because Tremont Smith. Uh, replicated uh, Lamar Jackson in practice. Said so the difference is, like Lamar Smith, Tremont Smith couldn't throw, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Russell Wilson can throw the ball, so right. they probably haven't used a lot of Smith, just maybe in spots and practice this week. Russell Wilson's a bigger threat than Lamar Jackson. You know, yeah. a, yes. a Super Bowl winning quarterback is more more of a threat than a first year, you know, half season starting quarterback for the Ravens. He's going to be. He's dynamic. He is. He's really you remember? You remember his breakout game? Yeah. His, very, his breakout game was right here mm-hmm. at Arrowhead's third preseason game of like 2012 yeah. or something. Wow! Nobody yeah. knew he was this good. Yeah. He could do this, and he just. <laughs> I remember watching that game the Chiefs and uh, and just thinking, how bad is the Chiefs defense? They can't stop this five foot nine. Brian asked, "Who will get the bulk of the carries for the Chiefs on Sunday, and will we see Sharkandrick at all?" I tried to ask Andy about this, but then he thought I said that Kelvin Benjamin was a running back, and I just I don't know really what he was saying. Um, I I think the running back position's been okay. Yeah. Without Kareem Hunt, that's not been an issue. No. Just to see Daryl Ward's uh, uh, Williams score on the on the Mm -hmm. pass. Mm To see the shiftiness of, um, of Damian Williams and Spencer Ware's, you know, off the injury mm-hmm. report, right? He's going to play. I, I think their committee's going to be fine. Yeah. I don't know that I would start anybody on the Chiefs in fantasy, fantasy and running right. back because it'll like be a, a more. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Just going to let you guys know. It's going to be a running back by committee situation. Andy seemed to also, because um, I think at one point there was the question about. Um, the two of them, if like you're talking about Williams and, and uh, I guess it was Williams and Ware, and whether or not they would split time now that Spencer seemed like he was going to be back. And he didn't say no. He, he talked, it seemed like he talked a lot about what Williams had done this last game, almost mm-hmm. as though it might be more of a split between those two than Spencer mm-hmm. doing most of it and then Williams spelling them. It right. sounded like you're going to see some Damian Williams because he looked pretty good. They really like him. I, I was wondering, um, you know, sort of in the, the wake of the Kareem Hunt stuff. I heard some people in the building talking up Damian Williams, you know, about he, he could be a good player. And you always kind of really like, come on now. Right. Know? But he's, pretty, he's okay. Well, he's legit. Well, yeah, I remember talking to, uh, to GM Brett Veach about him in the preseason um, during training camp and asked, you know, why him? Why'd they bring him in? And he said, well, you know, they go through and evaluate all this tape and they were looking for a, a basement bargain and said that evaluating his tape, he looked like he could be a situational starter. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what he's done, and he's—I think he's played really well. Um, and and I like too that he sees a lot of himself in Daryl Williams, and not only kind of how they play, but in their stories. They're scrappy, they're undrafted guys, so I think it helps too to have those two guys in the same locker room, same position group. Their their lockers are right next to each other, so I think that they're kind of helping each other out. I would love to talk to Daryl Williams about that, but he's been 
shifty on the field and off of it. Um, <laughs> so we have not had a chance to talk to him recently. Well, and I think Daryl's another guy that they like too. I mean, he's. Um, Let's put it this way. I, think, I believe, and I've been told, they held on to him for a reason. Let's put it that way, because he he was not active for was like the first nine games for a long time. Yeah. But they decided, and remember, they let um, Ward go during training camp. A guy who had been here, who you know knew the offense and everything, they let him go because they knew he was not going to beat out, or they were going to keep you know the young guy who hadn't been drafted, but who they felt like was going to be would have been a, could have been a draft pick. Um, fits the mold of what you know Veach has said in the past. They're looking for the big backs who can catch the ball. I think they like their award, and you've, you know, asking a little bit about him this week. You know, you heard Andy in here say some good things about him and how he's been impressive. So, um, I think that's another guy. I think they feel like they're okay with that mm-hmm. spot. The question is, would, would Kareem or the threat of Kareem Hunt have made a difference on the Chiefs' last offensive possession? Yeah, I think so. You know, yeah. Two-minute offense, or you know, when you need to, when yeah. you need to have a first yeah. down, yeah. would yeah. that have made a difference? That's a fair question. They, they struggled in that situation with him at times, mm-hmm. but yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, Nathan asked, will the rain affect someone with like Mahomes that has such a strong arm? We, I, You know what? I have not heard a single question this week asked about rain and wet footballs and all that good stuff. So, Have they played a rain game yet? Have they played uh, didn't no, it? Because um, the, the I, yeah, defense it has, but the offense hasn't. Yeah, it was like, Justin's our photographer. It like, like, stopped raining the second Mahomes got on the field. Yeah. Yeah. And the sun came through the clouds. You remember that? No. I just opened right up. Yeah. <laughs> there was, there's been a couple of games where there's been like rain during parts of the game. Because I feel like, was it the Jaguars? Was that the game yes. It rained during part of that game. And John's then, back here nodding his yeah. head, and he would know because he would have to be in rain gear on the sidelines. Yeah. So yeah. And then he would, he's our guy. I'm sure I remember, did the game in Denver, was there weather early in that game, or am I mixing that up with something else? Well, there's always weather. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like they're going to get Seattle weather, December Seattle weather for Sunday night, and that is, it's going to be wet. Yes, so yeah. bring your rain gear if you're going to the game. Um, it says 60% rain Sunday night. Yeah. 41 degrees. Yeah. Lovely. That'll Can't change. wait. That'll change by tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it'll change in an hour. Um, let's see. Andy Reid's going to throw the ball, let's put it that way. <laughs> Whether it affects him or not, they're still throwing the ball. Yeah, exactly. You can't, you can't not. Um, let's go ahead and get to predictions so we will not be as long because... We'll be putting this on the podcast, and then in the second half of it, um, I talked with Seattle Times Seahawks beat writer Bob Condotta. Kin- I'm just say everybody's names wrong. Um, <laughs> he was great talking with him this morning, and he has more intel on the Seahawks. Talked for about 20 minutes, so get excited for that, for all your other Seahawks questions and guys to watch. Um, I have already written down my prediction. No one cheat. I've said it no. I have said it two other... I wrote it in hot pink because boys can't see hot pink. Um, that's what I was told. Anyway, so, <laughs> Blair, what's your score prediction? How do you think this is going to shake um, out? I'll tell you what. I, I want to I take the Seahawks. I want to take the Seahawks prime time in that environment. I'm going to... I'm going to... I'm going to go Chiefs. I'm going to go Chiefs 30 to, 30 to 27. Yeah. Thirty twenty-seven. Lynn, what you got? I'll go Chiefs thirty-one twenty-eight. Sam. Horrendous matchup. I wanted like I feel exactly <laughs> like Blair. Yeah. I, feel I think exactly if, like if, if the Seahawks yeah. maybe had one more win, if they were not, it's just yeah. they're, they're not. Just, a, I don't think they're Chiefs good are the better team. Yeah. Um, and and I I expect this team, this team, the Chiefs, to bounce back. Like uh, thirty-one twenty. 
six. I'm so proud of you guys for not copying me this week. Um, I agree with all you guys. I, I picked the Chiefs on the radio earlier this week and like kind of felt weird doing it because I, I do feel like cause it's like you. I mean, it's, it's a horrendous matchup. It seems like the Seahawks should win, but I just don't think that they're the better team. It seems like they, it's hard to say they seem like they can win. I, I, don't, I don't know. It's, though. <laughs> that makes it a little harder to it, say that. It, it, I don't know. I just I have a weird feeling about this game, but I still pick the Chiefs 28-24. And someone's trying to break into this room. <laughs> <laughs> I really I don't. Okay. <laughs> um, it's like a dog running into a glass <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we should sign off now before we get taken out uh, and somebody breaks down the door. Um, I didn't know that our predictions were so offensive. So, on that note, we're going to sign off. We'll be back. It'll be a late night from Seattle. Kickoff's at 520 there, 720 here. So, we'll be on on air, online, over your airwaves, whatever, um, by like 2 a.m. So, drink your caffeine, stay up late, chat with us then. Until then, you can follow all of our work on KansasCity.com, Facebook page, Twitter, you name it, you can follow us. So, see you later. Welcome back to Sportsbeat KC. I'm Chiefs beat writer Brooke Pryor, and on the phone with me, we have Seattle Times Seahawks beat writer Bob Condata. Bob, how are things uh, out in Seattle right now? I know it's a little early. It's about 10 o'clock Thursday while we're recording Kansas City time, a couple hours earlier where you are out in Seattle. Yeah, it's a typical, um, looks like a typical gray sort of Seattle December day. It's the same Seattle day with uh, rain and all that. So, um, yeah, kind of, kind, of, kind of that. We've had a lot of uh, stormy weather. I got to admit, I don't know exactly what the forecast is for Sunday night, but uh, it's been kind of windy and, uh, windy and stormy here this week. So, it may, uh, the conditions may play a little bit of a factor Sunday night. Yeah, I was surprised. We talked with Andy Reid yesterday, and he didn't get one question about preparing to play with wet footballs, although, hey, that could maybe come Friday when we talked to him for two minutes. Um, it looks like, according to my iPhone, it's going to be rainy with a high of 49 on Sunday. Um, although I feel like I've checked the forecast every day and it shifts every day. So may not be the most beautiful football weather, but it'll be Seattle football weather on Sunday night. Um, and this is a game that, looking at the schedule, and, and even a couple weeks ago, you know, we thought may not have major implications for either team. Instead, what we're going to get is, is a pretty big-time Sunday night matchup. Bob, what's on the line for the Seahawks this week in this game? Yeah, well, there's a, they, they need to win one of their last two games to clinch a playoff spot. There's a scenario where, depending on other things that happen, um, they could be in a, they could know by Sunday night that they, uh, if they beat the Chiefs, they could clinch a playoff spot. There are also scenarios where beating the Chiefs isn't enough to do it uh, because of NFC conference tiebreakers and specifically involving Washington. Um, so they might have to wait till the following week against Arizona, but uh, to, to know for sure they can get that done. But it, it's a, it's sort of remote. Um, you know, if they, if they beat the Chiefs, they're in really good shape, especially with Arizona and with the team they should be able to beat. So, um, you know, that sort of thing. If you lose to Kansas City, yeah, they can't clinch they can't clinch a spot by losing. I mean, there's those scenarios where they lose and other teams lose around and they clinch one. So then they would know going into that final uh week against Arizona that they've got to win that game and, and as bad as Arizona is, uh, you know, division games can always be tricky as the Seahawks are down. Right, absolutely. And and the Seahawks are coming uh, off you never of, want to have to do that before. Yeah. Right, right. Well, and the Seahawks are coming off of a loss to the forty ers 
kind of an emotional loss, similar, kind of feels like similar to the, the one the Chiefs had against the Chargers. How is this team rebounding this week? What, what kind of things are, are they saying in the availabilities that you've had with them? Yeah, you know, it was a, it was a weird scenario in that they played the 49ers twice in 15 days. That had never happened in Seahawks history before where they played two games, uh, you know, that close like that. And, um, you know, they had, they had beaten the 49ers on the scoreboard really easily uh, two weeks prior, but they had given up a lot of yards. They would given up 300 passing yards to Nick Mullins in the second half of that game. And so I think the 49ers entered that game feeling sort of confident that they could still get some things done because of the way the first game had gone. Um, you know, it was just sort of a game that went back and forth a little bit. The Seahawks could never really get a complete handle on putting them away, and it ended up in overtime. And, um, you know, I kind of one of the big sequences was just early. You know, the Seahawks score early and sort of look like, okay, they're rolling, and then they give up a kickoff return um, for a touchdown, which the passage and Xowski sort of just waved away at the returner. And, um, you know, that sort of set the tone for the day. Uh, Seahawks got called for a bunch of holding penalties late in the game, which is sort of a new NFL trend for that to happen. But the Seahawks fell victim to that. You know, they had uh, um, a couple other penalties at the real key defensive pass interference on the last drive. And, um, you know, so I, I think they're kind of kicking themselves a little bit, feeling like it, it was really a game that was there for the taking and they kind of let us slip away. And, um, but, you know, I think this team still feels good about itself because, there's, you know, that. I think there's a danger of overplaying the skepticism about Seattle this year, but I think still, I think most people still thought this was like, you know, a seven, eight, nine win kind of team. Um, you know, people just weren't thinking they had a chance to win the division for the most part. And, and you know, uh, but still, uh, you know, getting a playoff spot would be a little bit unexpected based on what the overall expectations were. And so I think that's just still the focus when you've got that carried out in front of you. You know, I think they're, I think they're moving on pretty quickly from last week and just realizing, you know, we can't linger in that. We've got to just win one of these last two games to get into the playoffs. And, and you know, winning both is obviously even better. Yeah, you mentioned those, the penalties that the Seahawks had. And Andy Reid actually opened up his press conference this week talking about all the penalties the Chiefs had. The Chiefs are the most penalized team in the NFL. Um, they average about nine penalties a game for 73 yards. And the Seahawks, I believe, had, what, 14 penalties for a team record, 148 yards last week. Has that been something that's been addressed this week as a major issue? And, I mean, are we just going to see flag after flag after flag on Sunday night? Should we settle in for one of those games? <laughs> well, it was, yeah, so yeah, the Seahawks had 10 of them after halftime, so that, you know, the, the second half and then overtime. And so it really kind of caught up there. It was one of those things where it, almost sort of stuck up on everybody. I remember we got back to the press box and it was like, really, that was a team record yards, huh? Because it kind of just the way the game, you know, when games end in overtime and they just end kind of thing, <laughs> sometimes we get uh, the stats can suddenly kind of uh, sneak up on you a little bit. But for sure, it's been addressed. You know, they had uh, they had four holding penalties on their last four offensive drives. And, uh, um, you know, other people nationally have sort of written about this, that, that the NFL, for some reason, sort of decided three weeks ago to emphasize holding penalties and want to sort of clean up, clean that aspect up, uh, of it up a little bit. And so there's been a spike in holding penalties around the league. The Seahawks have really seen that, particularly in both their games against the 49ers, uh, even in that first game, that they won pretty easily. It was, it was a little bit of a sloppy game in that regard, um, and they had some things like that happen. So, um, you know, it's for sure. I, I talked to some of the offensive lineman yesterday by the offensive line coach and you know they said they just, they just have to realize that the NFL is looking at that particular um, 
penalty more closely, and, and they just got to do the things they can and not get caught. So, uh, but it's interesting you, know, you talk about the Chiefs leading the NFL penalties. The Seahawks have always been, uh, you know, several years under Pete Carroll of the NFL penalties, and they've always been a fairly highly penalized team. They cut that down a little bit this year, but um, you know, in general, Pete sort of doesn't think like it's the biggest predictive stat for success. You know, there's a lot of penalties that are sort of just based on the nature of how aggressively you play and, you know, you're a danger in taking that aggression out of your team. So they've always been happy to live with some, but holding penalties in particular are sort of a penalty that there's, there's not a real big positive to getting called for a holding penalty that, you know, you're not maybe going to create a turnover or something um, like because you play aggressively and get away with it or something like that necessarily. So it's uh, definitely something that I know they're, they're working on this week. Right, and, and looking at the offensive line, looks like there's a, some questions at, at right guard with DJ Flukers missed the last two games. He was replaced by Jordan Simmons, who then got hurt and then was replaced by Ethan Posich. I'm just, I had, I thought Posich. I knew how, yeah, Posich. Posich, there we go. Yeah. I thought I was pronouncing it right in my head and then my mouth just couldn't make that translate. Um, and then it looked like he's one of the guys that was called for some of those holding penalties um, in the fourth quarter of that game. But what what kind of sense do you get of where the offensive line is going into this game? Who, I mean, do you know at this point who will be at right guard? Do, do the Seahawks know who's going to be at right guard? Yeah, I don't know if the Seahawks know yet. I think if Sluker <laughs> could come back, that would be the ideal scenario. I think they have to prepare for him not to be back. Um, I think they'll give Posick, uh, um I I, I think other than the penalties, he might have played okay. Um, but, you know, it is kind of hard when you only are out there for a few series and you get called for two holding penalties, um, especially sort of when they came. Um, I think that's sort of a hard thing to swallow. But, um, yeah, I, you know, the offensive line otherwise has sort of been a, a pleasant surprise. And the other four spots have been really stable this year. It's just been the right guard spot because of the injuries to DJ Fluker that has been an issue. So, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, Fluker himself has been one of the real surprise players of the season. Um, you know, kind of, kind of a guy who's bounced around the last few years. And, you know, not, I don't know how high expectations were, but, he was really regarded as when he entered the when he kind of came off the preseason injury and, and he started uh, playing in week three as one of the reasons why their their run offense really took off in week three and you know they've been leading the NFL in rushing offense basically ever since. But um, you know, Jordan Simmons had been a real pleasant surprise and had been playing really well also and then he went down with the injury that he's going to knock him out for the season so. That sort of has continued to carousel. But, yeah, but Ethan Posick was a second-round pick last year, began the season at starting guard on the other side. And so I don't know that they'll completely give up, give up on him quite yet. I guess I would, I guess if I had to bet, I think it's one of those two guys who's based on if Fluker's healthy. But they sort of held out the, uh, held out the option yesterday of, of uh, looking at some other options as well. So, you know, we'll see by the end of the week if they've made a roster move that uh, addresses that anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and running behind them is Chris Carson. He's on track to be Seattle's first 1,000-yard rusher since Marshawn Lynch in 2014. He had 119 yards in the overtime loss to the 49ers. What is it about him that, that he's been able to be so successful this year and, and work out so well for the Seahawks? Yeah, well, he, he's just such a tough runner, um, and he's such an athletic runner. You can go find, you know, he's had three or four real notable hurdles over guys this year. Who one, uh, you know, week one at Denver where he just, uh, I mean, just amazing hurdle um, over a guy for a 24-yard game. He's had a few since then. Um, you know, so he really just combines the athleticism and size and, and a real instinct for kind of knowing where the hole is. Uh, you know, he had a great run last week on a fourth down. That interestingly, he, he said later he, he sort of 
wasn't completely aware it was fourth down <laughs> but at the time it looked like you know oh, wow you know he's going to do whatever it takes to get in the end zone and he did on a fourth and one play and got some help from his offensive lineman and everything but um, but it was sort of a play indicative I mean he, he got hit a couple times looked like he was stopped um, just sort of kept his feet moving forward and, and was able to power his way into the end zone and get a much needed touchdown for Seattle at the time so uh, you know he's been real good they, they have been getting some good uh could play out of Rashad Penny, uh, the first-round pick of late. But Dow right now, I don't know if he'll be able to play this week or not. So that's sort of put a little bit more of the onus on Carson to, to, to kind of re- uh, really be the guy there. And, and uh, you know, there's one of the things we're a little bit, I think, worried is just Carson has had a lot of carries this year. You know, they're not going to win the division, so they're going to have to uh, play a playoff game that first week if they get in it. So, um, But you got to get in the playoffs first and do what it takes to get there. So. Right. Well, the Chiefs obviously have a multitude of defensive issues. Looking at the uh, at the Seahawks offense, what strengths are they going to be able to play to? How do you expect them to try to go at this this Chiefs defense that kind of has issues across the board? Yeah, I, and, and I think because of that, maybe the Seahawks will sort of do what they do. Um, you know, I think I think they'll really try to get the running game going. You know, they signed uh, made, made kind of an interesting signing this week, Bo Scarborough. Uh, Pretty well-known college guy in Alabama that hasn't played in the NFL yet. He's been on the practice squads of Dallas and Jacksonville this year, and they signed him off Jacksonville. But, um, you know, I think that Dallas just, uh, just to just kind of beef up the running back depth with uh, Penny's situation uncertain. But um, you know, I don't know if they vary greatly from from what they do. Um, their their passing game has been a little bit hit and miss of late. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson is still having a having a really good year statistically, especially in terms of his efficiency and throwing touchdowns and stuff like that. But Doug Baldwin has always been one of their top receivers. He's really battled to an injury filled year, and, and that's really seemed to impact the passing game in a few games when, um, you know, if he's not out there or not out, not out there uh, completely healthy and, uh, you know, having to try to depend on some of the younger guys a little bit. So it's been a little bit sporadic of late in the passing game, which is why I think it's put even more onus on them to, to get the running game going and make sure they can get that done. But they've been really consistent running the ball, especially since, you know, like I say, week three, um, it's really been something they've been able to rely on. So I, I don't know if I feel very, very greatly from their overall strategy of that. But, you know, I think they know Kansas City is going to score some points on them. So I do think one of the things that you could probably expect out of the Seahawks is, is just to, I guess just the way you look at that, that you want to run the ball and take 10 minutes off the box every time you have it, if you think you're going to have trouble stopping the team. On the other hand, if you know you're going to get points, um, you know, trying to trying to catch them off guard with some big plays in the passing game. So I uh, think it'll be sort of the usual mix of Seattle with those two things. Gotcha. And going over to the other side of the ball, there have been some significant injuries on the defensive side. Bra- Bradley McDougald, KJ Wright. Which which one of these injuries seems to be seems like it could have the the biggest impact? Or you know, KJ Wright coming back from injury. Where where do you see that kind of shaking out? Yeah, I mean, I think the McDougal thing's a bigger deal right now, and, and not to diminish KJ Wright's return, but he's only played in really about two and a half games this season. Um, so, you know, they've, they've, I think he can help them quite a bit, especially if he is healthy. We talked to him yesterday, and he insisted he was sort of, um, he feels like he'll be the healthiest back midseason, tried to play. I think of those two, I think uh, Bradley McDougal is a little bit more uh, potentially impactful for this game because he, he's, he's played every game this year. He's been another guy that, has gotten a lot of credit for, uh, you know, maybe playing a little bit better than, than people had anticipated. He might, you know, which became a really big deal when Earl Thomas went out early in the season. McDougal really helped solidify the secondary. But, 
he's had a knee injury that, that um, he's played with most of the season, but it seemed to really catch up to him these last few weeks. He's been on the injury report a lot. He's had two games basically since November that he hasn't been able to finish because of it, and, and uh, they left it unclear where they will be able to play this week. So, uh, you know, if he can't play, a guy named uh, Delano Hill, uh, the uh, pick uh, out of Michigan last year, would, would make his first career start. Uh, Hill's, Hill's played a few snaps a few times this year when Dougal has been out, but he hasn't, uh, you know, never started a game and had to go the whole way and sort of, sort of be the guy that maybe opponents could try to pick on a little bit that way, no one going into the game. So uh, that's definitely a really big thing to watch. Um, KJ Wright has only played two, makes about two and a half games this season, and so uh, he can help a lot. Uh, you know, they, they, they've sort of cobbled together a weak side linebacker thing all year, even without it, but but it became a bigger issue last week when they lost Michael Kendricks for the year. He had played really well when he was playing, so um, they do they do want KJ Wright back for sure, and, and uh, you know, but um, KJ said by his own admission yesterday, he, he wouldn't anticipate playing the full game probably if he plays Sunday, that they'd probably rotate him in a little bit, probably with a guy named Austin Colicio who started a few games there as well. Um, you know, KJ said sort of the goal would be that he kind of He's into it a little bit in these first two games with the assumption you hope that they get the playoffs and, you know, then he could be maybe fully ready for that. Mm-hmm. And for the Seahawks to, to slow the Chiefs down and slow Patrick Mahomes down, who on the defensive side, maybe one or two guys, has to have a good game? Yeah, well, Tedrick Thompson, their free safety, you know, this really feels like a game where, um, you know, he's had to step in for Earl Thomas. And that, those are impossible shoes to fill with. You know, there's no way there's not going to be a drop-off there. I think the Seahawks have altered their, their scheme at tiny a little bit to not, you know, Earl Thomas basically was just single high safety an awful lot of the time and sort of, you know, almost constantly the last line of defense. And I think I think the Seahawks haven't done that quite as much with Thompson and maybe tried to disguise it a little bit more at times to maybe make it harder for opponents to maybe just kind of try to target that. But with the, with, with the, the things the Chiefs do and the way Patrick Mahomes can scramble and make plays and, and things like that, I think uh, I think there's going to be a huge uh, bonus on, on Thompson to be able to keep things in front of him, not let receivers get behind him, and then be a sure tackler. He's, he's had a couple of instances where he's missed some tackles. You know, the Chiefs obviously have some fast guys and guys who like to get out in space. So um, I think that's going to be a really big deal. Um, you know, I would say um, – a couple of the defensive linemen, I guess, strictly Frank Clark. He's had a great, you know, he's had a really good year uh, as a defensive end. You know, career high in sacks. Uh, this is a game where you, you know, I think you're going to have to try to get pressure on on Mahomes, obviously, and, and also kind of keep the cane on him and, and keep him from, you know, if he is kind of running and getting out there, he's not going too, uh, he's not getting too far. Mm-hmm. Well, before we let you go, got to make sure we get a a game prediction in here, score prediction. So how do you think this game is going to shake out on Sunday, and, and what's your, your pick for that final score? Yeah, um, I think if I go, I think I will pick the Chiefs. Uh, <laughs> probably about 31-23, something like that. I mean, I, I think it'll probably be a fairly high-scoring game. Um, you know, just to see if several defense has been a little bit vulnerable at times. And, um, but the Seahawks have been able to, to, to score score some in general as well, and against that Chiefs defense, so um, that, that maybe sounds like a, a realistic pick to me. Okay, I think uh, earlier this week I was on the radio and I picked the Chiefs to win twenty eight twenty four. So I'm going to stay consistent and go with that. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty close game, although. For deadline's sake, man, I hope that it's not a one-possession game right there at the end, but that's the way that it's gone for us the last couple weeks. So 
Um, and I was looking at the stats, and it looks like the Seahawks are 11-2 and in home Sunday night football games since 2006. What do you think the atmosphere is going to be like in Seattle on Sunday night? Yeah, and they've actually been great under Pete Carroll on prime time, and you can you can look up all those stats. And um, you know, it should be it should be the usual really good atmosphere that way. I mean, Christmas Christmas weekend and, and a Sunday night game, and against a team that you know we don't see that often, and then a team that also is a, is a team that's gotten an awful lot of uh, um, you know publicity this year, and, and I think there's a lot of excitement maybe to see Patrick Mahomes play. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. I think the fan base probably, you know, I, I think from the standpoint of if you, I guess, want the best out of the for the Seahawks, you maybe hope Kansas City had nothing to play for. But <laughs> I think there's, I think there's a little bit of an intrigue value too, and and then I hope at least this way we get to see, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs trying as hard as they need to try, and and then if you beat them, you know, maybe it, it makes it that much more of a game. Right. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time. Can you let people know where they can? Follow your work to keep tabs on the Seahawks the rest of this week. Sure, yeah, uh, SeattleFriends.com and then and, and, uh, backslash Seahawks. We have a separate Seahawks page there with all of our Seahawks covers. And I'm also on Twitter at B Condota, so B C O N D O T T A. And so you can, you can follow me there as well. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on. And I guess we will see you Sunday night in Seattle. Okay, yeah, thanks a lot, Brooke.